This is Transformation Stories, a podcast from Atlas Systems, exploring how companies are leaping into the future through deliberate change and innovation. In today's digital landscape, businesses face a choice to transform or risk falling behind. Here are the insights of visionaries and change makers who are driving transformation across various industries and roles. They'll share their experiences, strategies, and the most potent opportunities for success. Join us as we uncover the secrets of transformation. Rob Larson is a leader and global team builder with over 20 years of hands-on experience in financial services and consulting. He's also an enterprise software architect with deep technical knowledge, shipping software on time and on budget for a variety of global Fortune 500 clients. Larson is the author of Beginning HTML and CSS for Wiley, The Uncertain Web for O'Reilly, and Mastering SVG for Pact. And he's the co-author of Professional jQuery and the HTML and CSS Workshop, both for Pact. An active member of the open source community, Larson manages the H5BP organization and maintains HTML5 boilerplate, front-end developer interview questions, and related projects. All right, Rob. Well, it's great to welcome you to uh, Transformation Stories, and uh, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Uh, It's my pleasure. I wonder if you could tell us uh, a little about your history and your expertise, like what to what your interests are and what you're, what you're doing? Sure. I'm a software development uh, architect, um, and I've been an active web developer, technical architect for 20-plus years now. Um, in addition to my kind of day-to-day, I've written a bunch of books, traveled around the world doing presentations, and uh, run the HTML5 boilerplate and front-end developer interview questions, GitHub repos, which are both over 50,000 stars. And what, did your, what were your books about? The web in meta form and in very detailed technical form. So I wrote a book for O'Reilly called The Uncertain Web, which was about my kind of philosophy of doing web development and web development in a very chaotic environment with many devices and your fridge can browse the web and some of those sort of things. Um, And it was actually a, and and the the topic of today was a transformative period. So it was right around the HTML5 era and things were changing very quickly. And it was just a philosophical guide on how to potentially approach that so that you could reach the largest possible audience. And then I've written four like more purely technical books, um, beginning HTML and CSS, mastering SVG, uh, a jQuery book, uh, 2009 when when everything was jQuery, and um, I wrote part of the HTML and CSS workshop. So those were for Pact and uh, Wiley. And what would you say is like your central passion or passions? What would you say are like your the things you're, you they keep coming back that, that are your core pursuits? It's, well, I mean, the web at the end of the day, right? So I, I got into this because I loved the potential of the web, the power of the web to 
you know, expand for better or worse to expand people's reach into the world and to connect people in ways that we couldn't have predicted, you know, 25 years ago. Um, but on top of that, there's, you know, a drive to do all of that better. So part of that is, you know, very specifically like how it performs and how fast it is and how good it looks and how many different browsers you can, you know, view that content in. But then, you know, as I've gotten deeper into my career and done more, uh, you know, managing large projects, large open source projects, um, it's been about, you know, processes and making sure that you get from the idea of a feature or, you know, some functionality to actually shipping that code in, you know, the best possible way. You know, great outcomes, but also efficient, well-documented, you know, when delivered, when you said you were going to deliver it, how it was supposed to look and, you know, does the things it's supposed to do, so. And obviously there's nothing we can think of more transformative than the web um, in terms of society and business. But even the web itself has undergone a lot of transformations. I mean, what are some of the big ones that, that you can you could think of or that you've really been a part of? So, you know, obviously I wasn't around for uh, the very birth of the web. So, but I, I came along not so far afterwards and saw this kind of dark period for core web technologies where Flash was basically anything interesting you were going to do on the web, it was in Flash. That's kind of the early 2000s. And then uh, Jesse James Garrett wrote an article in which he coined the, the term Ajax uh, and kind of just kicked off this you know, whirlwind of development and innovation and transformation uh, about the way that we approached building interesting web you know, applications and interfaces. And it immediately returned us to using core web standards and core web technologies and got away from, which a lot of people had wanted to, but we couldn't, uh, you know, we wanted to get away from using Flash, being stuck in a proprietary Adobe-owned, not that I have anything against Adobe, but it's like the web was supposed to be built on, on open standards. And it just, it took off overnight. And the interesting, I mean, there are many th interesting things about it, but one of the interesting things for me is, is how ill-prepared we were for doing very complicated application development in the browser. Debugging was difficult. The tools, you know, that we had, JavaScript frameworks were, you know, in their infancy. There were some very powerful ones, but they were too big to use in the web. We hadn't, you know, really figured out how to package web applications efficiently. This is something that we take for granted now. Taking a megabyte of code and scrunching it down to 200K makes it a lot faster. And we just didn't do that. Um, and so it was like everything that you had to do was new. Everything that you were trying to do was like maybe somebody had figured it out six months ago, but often you were doing novel solutions for things because it just hadn't been done yet. So it was a very interesting time. 
I mean, just in terms of digital transformation, you know, do you feel like compared to 10, 20 years ago that uh, businesses and, you know, even society have, have gotten better at doing digital transformation or, or uh, managing it? Or do you feel like it's still, you know, still a huge disruption every time? I think that it depends on the environment or organization because there is a lot of, so we, we're not rewriting it every time now. We, we shouldn't be. Um, people, if you're moving from a data center to Azure or AWS, there are you know, books and conferences and people you can call. And there's a lot of information about those sort of things. So modernizing the way that you compute um, is, should be easy, easier than it would have been because it's not, you're not breaking new ground, but you have to be, you also have to deal with the human side of that. You have to deal with buy-in. You have to deal with aversion to change um or acceptance of change depending on on the way that your organization is you know focused in that way and you know if people are ready for it and they're happy to plan and they're you know and they're happy to use outside resources and research and all of those sort of things then it should be easier than it was 15 or 20 years ago but it certainly isn't all the time people can still mess it up because it is disruptive so. And do you feel like there are any techniques or, or any, um, you know, things that, that companies and people can do to help really speed along that acceptance? Well, I think that, you know, transparency in the planning process and really getting buy-in. And, you know, you can get people that'll say, oh, this is a great idea or whatever. And then they don't actually understand that it's, you know, not rebuilding the car while it's driving. It's building another car alongside the car that you're driving and then jumping between the two cars. You know, I mean, it is actually a little bit of a juggling act and it is there is some risk to doing it, you know, whether or not it's an understood process. And you have to get people to not be squeamish about that. They need to realize it's going to be hard and it's, there's some risk, but once you get there, you know, it becomes a planning, it becomes execution. It becomes things that if you break them down into small enough, you know, chunks, uh, even if a couple don't go as smoothly as possible, the overall should be fine. And, you know, but it really is. It's about making sure that the organization and, and people maybe writing, you know, signing the checks, uh, understand what it actually means. Can you think about uh, a transformation that went really well from that perspective and that uh, was smooth, that you were really, you know, had a front row seat on? Um, well, there's... The meta one, the, the, the HTML5, so, okay. So we had the Ajax era, which was pure chaos. 
And there were a lot of people that just, they were not, they were squeamish about it. They didn't want to trust doing heavy web applications or like business critical applications as a JavaScript app. They just would laugh at you. They're like, no, we're going to do C sharp and, you know, and it's going to be in Java spring and it's going to be great. And it, you know, it was, they, those were very stable platforms, very successful. A lot of business was run on those sort of platforms. The Ajax era never petered out. It only got stronger. But the thing is, it was all kind of a series of ad hoc choices. So it was some person somewhere decides, oh, I need to solve this problem. And then suddenly they've made this gigantic open source library that sits at the center of the entire ecosystem, which is fine. I mean, that's how, you know, um, innovation happens in technologies. You have people with great ideas. But at the end of the day, a lot of that probably should be either standardized as, you know, part of a specification, you know, and then be part of the browser because browser vendors can optimize some of those things, right? And so the less that some random, you know, very smart human is doing uh, by themselves versus like, you know, the browser is able to optimize certain processes, um, you know, the better. It's better to offload that stuff on, on the browser and, you know, specifications because it's hardened. And so there was this idea of revamping the HTML specification to make it a platform for modern web app web applications. There's a lot of crazy backstory about that, but you know, eventually it turned into this like had a lot of momentum. Ian Hickson was was in charge of the specification. There was a lot of you know great collaboration with web developers out in the wild. And, you know, around 2010, 2011, there was a lot of hype around HTML5. And suddenly, uh, everyone realized that, you know, web applications and, stand, you know, standards-based web applications were not only robust, they had a lot of, like, real benefit. And so, you know, at the time, I was at, at Sapient Global Markets, which served a lot of financial services companies. And... You know, my job was to talk to them about web applications and replacing their .NET MVC applications with, you know, HTML5 standards-based web applications, um, you know, or even, you know, desktop applications or anything, Excel spreadsheets, whatever you have, you know, floating around in these, in these old banks and stuff like that. We were replacing with, you know, modern, really exciting browser delivered um, web applications. And it was like night and day between 2005 and 2011, how strong the adoption was. And, you know, it's just, it hasn't slowed down. Obviously there's a lot of, um, you know, some momentum on the mobile app side, of course, with, you know, smartphones and whatever, but still, you know, web application development is, is a strong paradigm in, in, in every business now. And just thinking about that and, and, you know, the other transformations you've been a part of, I mean, what do you think are the secrets of being a good transformational leader? What does it take to uh, lead transformation successfully? I think 
it's being able to thread the needle between you know obviously there are places to move fast and and break stuff that's why it's a phrase but you can't all the time it's actually not beneficial all the time and a lot of times you can move relatively quickly and break nothing you can move slowly and break nothing but really you're just breaking nothing right because you inspire more confidence in the process if you're if you're not breaking stuff and so you know it's but you have to take risks you have to insert risk into the process and so it's it's making sure that you're moving as fast as you can to get where you need to go without stepping over that line and it's uh and making sure that everyone's comfortable about that you know because you have to it's, you know people think like oh i can just go and wave my magic wand and all these things will change and it's like they might but if you make some key decision maker or key stakeholder uncomfortable it can shut the process down entirely or it can slow it down for months because you have to get them back on your side and it's much easier to keep them on your side than it is to like lose them and then get them back you know pushing the same direction you are so what do you think or, or what do you see are some of the big opportunities for change right now? What do you see as transformations that are waiting to happen? Well, you know, obviously, AI writ large, generative AI, you know, writ more specifically are the big topics of the day. And for me, I feel like, you know, 2023, 2024, the places that you'll actually see those sort of technologies taking off in a meaningful way are in areas where the universe is smaller. So, you know, if it's the entire, if you're trying to like use generative AI against the entirety of human existence, it's probably going to fail versus a human, right? Maybe it won't write Moby Dick or whatever. But in, you know, and it seems funny to say this because code is is in its own way infinite, like Copilot, which I've played around with, is a genius addition to your coding toolkit, right? I had some code that it was a, you know, kind of a thousand line script I was looking at, and you can just ask Copilot tell me what this does. And because it can read and analyze code and, and, and follow, you know, that limited universe of possibilities, it was actually very good at summarizing it. And then, you know, of course, just the, um, the pattern matching that they've done with, you know, common code patterns, and then being able to much greater than, you know, old IntelliSense or whatever, give you, you know, the, the, bare bones of a function in, you know, inside Visual Studio Code or Visual Studio is amazing. And the more people that get access to that and the more people that play around with that, it's going to like really improve the quality of those tools. And they're already pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's similar for the, for the non-technical person. It's similar to giving, you know, ChatGPT or whatever, a block of text and saying like, make it better, right? It, but this is like, you know, code and it's, you know, sometimes it can be like a real time saver, you know, then versus like just being an editor on your 
blog post or whatever. So, so if you were someone whose boss had just said to them, um, "All right, go out and get some AI, and you know, let's let's start to feel the AI difference. Let's let's start using AI." How would you coach them on approaching that transformation or that that need? Well, I mean, there's two things that I'm I think about. So one is the you know, are you leaking because you have to send information out, have it processed, and then have something come back, right? So Zoom has this thing where they can summarize your meetings. Okay, well, that might be fine for some industries. It probably wouldn't be fine if you were a doctor or whatever. Not that they can just use regular Zoom, but you know, like you actually have to think about that. And is it really a risk? Probably not. There's, you know, terabytes of data going through these things. No one is sitting there and looking at them. But the pure fact is, is that you are actually leaking significant information. And, you know, insert insurance, finance, you know, um, military, you know, any, you know, many industries would have a problem with just leaking that information. Of course, you can do your own hosted versions of these things, which solves that. So, but you have to think about that. You can't just like open up chat GPT to everyone in your company and say, go nuts because you want to actually understand what you're doing. The other is to set expectations and, and kind of use it in ways like I, like my example is, is in a software development area. It's like Copilot is, as long as everyone's happy with you using it in the organization, either cost or you know, the potential of like, you know, leaking some sort of information, PII or something like that, you know, I, I think you could, you could make a really good case for something like that. And there, you know, there are other examples that are maybe more specific, um, you know, maybe not the entirety, just everything, use it for everything, but there are things that it's going to be very successful at. And um, I think that, you know, starting there and learning from that and learning from something that's probably going to be a success and, and can help build confidence with people who maybe are skeptical, I think that's the way to go. And just to, to sort of wrap up, I mean, looking at your own career uh, and, and how you've evolved and how you're sort of where you're evolving to, uh, what, what would you give as coaching advice? in terms of personal transformation, how to manage that, how to approach it and gauge it? I think one of the things that's allowed me to stay relevant is to always be learning. And I know that probably sounds like, you probably heard that before, but I've always been trying to stay at the forefront of of technology and whether or not it's you know understanding process i mean now i'm more focused on process and you know team building and some of those sort of things but there's still thought there there's still changes in the way that you do that you can't run a team the way that you did 20 years ago your 25 year old staff member is a much different person than than 
they would have been 25 years ago, right? So like, you have to think about that and, and stay relevant to yourself, right? Like, your job requires you to be a person that's that's operating in 2023. And you, you have to be able to change with the times. And, you know, technology, that was always like when I was coding, and when I was, you know, when I'm doing architecture, you have to be up to date, because if you're not, you're making stuff that should be replaced already. If you're not doing something that's like cutting edge now, or is at least, you know, best of breed now, um, you've cut off two or three years about, you know, for when it should be replaced. So, you know, you, you're not building long lasting solutions. So it's, it's, that's, that's it. I mean, it's not easy, um, to mix in, like staying up, up to date on the latest and greatest while you're working, but it served me well and has actually kept my life pretty interesting over the past 20 years. So that's a bonus. <laughs> Well, it's great to talk to you, Rob. Thanks for talking to Transformation Stories today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was really a lot of fun. And that's a wrap on today's episode of Transformation Stories. If you found this episode as enlightening as we did, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback fuels our mission to bring you more thought-provoking conversations. As we conclude today's journey, remember that transformation is within reach for every business, and it starts with deliberate choices. Keep pushing boundaries, seeking new opportunities, and embracing change. Until next time, this is Transformation Stories.